You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Hi, everybody. This is Brady Hoke. And if I know one thing, it's bad college football. That's why I'm here to tell you about the Shutdown Fullcast, a college football podcast so bad that it's mostly not even about football. Every Wednesday, you can listen to Spencer Hall, Jason Kirk, and Ryan Nanny ramble about grocery stores, John Gruden's secrets to everlasting wealth, and unsolved murders. The Shutdown Fullcast. We're very sorry. Welcome back to the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada, and it's the podcast that I've been silently really excited for and dreading at the same time. Ben's beloved Philadelphia 76ers. And there's a lot to get excited about in Philly, which means that this one gets real optimistic, which means I got to rein people in. And, well, you'll, you'll just have to listen for yourself. We've got two great guests on the line for this one. Tyler Tynes from SBNation.com, the reporter. He's terrific. And Kyle Newbeck, the managing editor of Liberty Ballers, our fantastic Sixers site. This one talks about a whole lot of stuff with the 76ers, a whole lot of reasons to get excited, and some reasons to get nervous that maybe you wouldn't expect unless you heard it from people who really follow this team. It's a terrific podcast. I think you guys will really enjoy it. It's part four of our 30-team limited upside preview uh, that you should enjoy. Uh, we are part of the Vox Media Podcast Network here at Limited Upside. You can find us on iTunes at Limited Upside. We'd really appreciate it if you left us a review. Let us know how you enjoy the Team Podcast preview series. we still got 26 to go after this, so we're really taking in your feedback. Let us know how we're doing. Leave us a review. Five stars if you like it would be really awesome. Uh, but if you want think something needs to get better, just let us know as well. We like the feedback. You should also send us questions for any of these team previews at limited underscore upside on Twitter. The Knicks are coming up next, then Orlando, and then we're kind of going rolling through the lottery. So you can check those out. You can also find us on Google Play, on Spotify, on Stitcher, anywhere else you get your podcasts, as well as on SBNation.com. That's that. This is the limited upside Philadelphia 76ers preview with Tyler Tynes and Kyle Newbeck. Enjoy. Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Mike Prada, and we're about to embark on the podcast that I have been dreading for the last six months, <laughs> the Philadelphia 76ers preview. And I'm joined by two loud, uh, very enthusiastic Sixers fans. Oh, and also Kyle Newbeck from Liberty Ballers. <laughs> oh, wow. So I'm the I'm not the obnoxious one for once. That's a, certainly a change of pace. Congratulations. Uh, the, the loud, uh, enthusiastic ones. I didn't say obnoxious. That was your word, not mine. Uh, ben Epstein, I co-host. Tyler Tynes from SBNation.com. I guess you guys have reasons to be excited about this year, right? I guess. This is a different time than last year's. Sixers preview, right? It's a little bit different. I feel like there's more enthusiasm. We have more roots Lit to be proud hell. about here. Lit as hell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we finally saw Joel Embiid play, yeah. which that would have helped even if they had done nothing else this offseason. And then you bring in two number one picks, and it's kind of hard not to be excited. Yeah, come on, Mike. What do you want us to be? Like, Embiid played worse than I thought he would in my imagination. <laughs> so. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> this is what I'm talking about. Uh, so last year at this time, we were saying the same things about uh, Ben Simmons. I remember Tyler talking him up a lot. Uh, he ends up playing zero games. But you're right, Joel Embiid played. They finished pretty strong. Dario Schartz tried for Rookie of the Year and failed. Um, and then they get Markel Fultz, uh, and they get him number one. So now they have Fultz, Embiid, and Simmons. So, Tyler, what is the mood of the Sixers fan base in one word right this second? Excitement, right? Well, you know, since all of the curmudgeon well, most of the curmudgeon like, media members who hated on the process are, like, now not there really anymore, <laughs> it's kind of, like, generally, like, up the mood of, like, how people read and think about the Sixers. Uh, the fan base who like, actually, you know, love the process is one still here. And the newer part of the fan base, it's kind of getting on the end of the process. It's like, OK, we're back. We're actually going to be about this. You know, Philly hasn't had a winning team in basketball since 2010 when they went 41 and 41 and lost. And the time before that was 2004 when we drafted Iggy and lost. And before that were the Iverson years, you know what I'm saying? Like when we were playing in, in a completely pointless finals game against Kobe Bryant and Shaq. So like. These are the best players that the Sixers have had this decade. This is the best opportunity for the Sixers to make their defining impact this decade. And they've never been more equipped to do so than right now, coming into next season this year. They're probably going to be a playoff team. They're mm. going to be super. We'll you can't have that. more number one prospect, more number one talent on this team right now. So hate on us if you want, Mike, but <laughs> it's time. Hey, you guys have a really cool young team. I just object to how you got there. Uh, ben, what is the mood? <laughs> ben, is what is your mood in one word? Uh, the answer for me would be now. It's oh, simil- so the process is over is, now. Is now. It's, right? it's the, it's yeah. the uh, result. Uh, it wouldn't be the result. It would be the, uh, I, I don't know. Like the, Go the, ahead. Finish it. I can't figure out what the word. It, this is the plot? <laughs> this is the actual listen, listen, meat of it, man. Listen, is... listen, listen, baby. The, tar- the process is never over. That's right. Oh, see, that's the beauty of the word. Is, that is. Every, every Life is a process. It never ends. See, that, yeah. That's why we were talking the other day about the Phoenix Suns adopting this new t- thing, the timeline. And I was saying how I love, I like the process so Which is so, so ridiculous, much. by the way. <laughs> I like the process so much better because the process never ends. Yes. It, it doesn't have to end. And there's no trust the timeline. It doesn't roll off the tongue the same way. Yeah. The, I mean, like, the timeline is like a tired-ass, like, John McCain, like, Healthcare provision that we like really didn't want to get out of committee. Like it sounds absolutely horrible. Like like just Damn. get a better team. Yeah, we could we could attack other team slogans for the next like forty five minutes. Okay, like, we'll, the, we'll, wait till we'll, we get to the Bucks. Yeah, yeah, and wait till we get to the chance for you guys to remake your team slogan. Yeah, so right. you you would yeah. say now? That's no, so I, I say now because part of the idea of the process is that it's it's small incremental things. It's it's the larger macro like building to a team you think can, can win the title. That's the entire ethos of the process was not to be mediocre, not to be in the middle. We've said it many times in this podcast, Mike, the middle in the NBA is the worst place to be because it's so hard to get out of it. Uh, it's easier to get bad and then become good, and that was the whole reason we got into this process in the beginning. So now is the word I'm using because it feels like this is a time where Tyler kind of mentioned it. There's like your process truth. There's the guys like us who have been here from the beginning, and then there's this whole wave of Philadelphia just basketball fans. It's a basketball-passionate city. Big Five basketball is still important. High school hoops is still important. So you have all these guys who all these you know, uh, fans, I should say, um, who are ready and willing to kind of chop at the bit for a successful team, to be there for cool guys who you want to root for, not just cool players. And it seems like this team has tons of personality and people who want to have that spotlight on them and be there for the city. Uh, and so that's why I say now, because it feels like we kind of have our foundation and it's ready to you know, go forth and conquer. Kyle, have you noticed a different tone uh, at Liberty Ballers with uh, these new adopters of the process? I mean, can you bandwagon a process? Uh, well, so, I, I mean, we've had a lot of people at the site who, I guess, were lurkers prior to this that now are they're sort of coming out of the 
I don't want to say come out of the closet, coming out of the woodwork, I guess we could say. Yeah, let's say that. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a much better way to phrase that. Um, they're coming out of the woodwork with just a lot of enthusiasm and excitement over a team that really they ignored the last couple of years while our, uh, our small crowd of diehards sort of stuck together through all the losses, all the, uh, all the foot injuries, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think the weirdest turn has been all the people that were really anti-process in Philly that now are just trying to sweep that under the rug and be like, oh, yeah, this is great. They're going to be awesome. And just like, dude, where were you the last few years? We've been telling you this. This is not like breaking news that, that they have a lot of young talent. They have a lot of draft picks. And eventually it's all going to pay off. Like That was the whole reason why there was a big movement and why the process became a thing and like a a cultural talking point is because there were people that were telling you the same thing over and over and over again, despite how many people told them they were wrong. So, I, I mean, I'm accepting I, I'm, Philly is all about brotherly love. So I'm going to I'll give people shit at the same time <laughs> <Yeah>. and say <laughs> you should have been there from the beginning. But at the same time, it's like, look, I want that basketball team to succeed because it's a lot more fun to write about them, cover them podcasts about them when they're good so welcome aboard anybody who wants to uh to jump on yeah <laughs> there so, you go <laughs> well, if you had to put one word on that what would that have been kyle so my one word honestly and this will probably sound a little negative would be overzealous and oh, i only really? say that huh. I, overzealous. I will only say that because <laughs> you guys know you guys saw retweet Armageddon, which was when yeah. all the Sixers fans retweeted all the takes that they thought were were bad. And a lot of them were about things that have definitely been proven wrong, like how bad people thought the Michael Carter Williams trade was, which I'll, I'll turns out that, that was. I'll yeah, leave some right. with that one. That one, I was yeah. one who said that I didn't like that trade, but uh, that has worked out very well. It for might caught some shrapnel from the. the That's okay. Yeah, That's fine. Game. I'm not always right. I deserve. I deserve that criticism because it, yeah, I was right. wrong about that. It happened. I mean, look, you you write on the internet. It's going to happen. Can't can't bat a thousand. Um, so like stuff like that is okay. But there were some people that were retweeting things along the lines of like it's never going to work. And while I think it worked in the sense that they have their blue chippers, they have their guys they believe can be the core. I have seen some shit in Philadelphia. I've seen way too many things go wrong that look like they were perfectly lined up, set up for the team, whether that's the Eagles, the Phillies, the Flyers, the Sixers, things look good. And then the house of cards all crumbled. And I think before we start gloating too much around here, uh, just a little bit of caution would be good, but but that's just me. Nope. Uh, whoever wants to, yeah, I, I don't think that's Tyler's style, or at least it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> nope. <laughs> that's probably a good, it's probably good to have at least one of us with some temper, not temper, but the idea that you're looking out for this uh, in case things don't go necessarily how we want them to this season. But I think that's kind of like the overarching, at least the the temperature, if you will, as I see it, is that like I think all of us in the back of our minds know something bad can happen. Again, we're all Philadelphia sports fans. Uh, I can think back to like Rodney Pete blowing out his quad and that frustrating me, right? Stupid, stupid stuff like that. That in <laughs> retrospect didn't matter. We weren't going to win the Super Bowl, but it still derailed that season, right? And so you can look back, but I think most of us now, at least in my head, and I'm always thinking about like what little screw could go loose 
uh, pun definitely intended there in in you know Embiid's foot. Oh, that's um, very very much. Thank so. you. Um, but the point there is like now I'm not thinking like that though. Now I'm thinking like okay, Fultz just rolled his ankle. That's bullet number one. We dodged right like that. Yeah. <laughs> two years ago like, he yeah. broke his ankle. That's how that works. Oh, there's so. still there's still time, unfortunately. But I mean, in fairness, damn. <laughs> I'm sorry. In <laughs> fairness, like, what's the point of not being excited about having to watch all that losing? I mean, it's all for a purpose. Yep. So, uh, and that purpose obviously is the trio now of Fultz, Simmons, and Embiid. Embiid played 31 games last year and was awesome, but he only played 31 games. Simmons didn't play at all. Fultz is obviously coming in as a rookie draft pick. Tyler, how are these three supposed to work? Like, what do you? How do you see kind of them learning how to play off each other? Because you know they right now have zero games of experience together, so it could be anything. But there is going to be a learning curve there. What do you want to see this year? Where you see, yeah, that learning curve has really come a long way. Right. There's definitely going to be a learning curve, but there's not. I don't think there's going to be a massive learning curve. You're dealing with two guys who can play pick and roll basketball at least well enough, right? And one of them because it's, we're now like loving this like very big basketball son as our like new point guard in the NBA. Like that's like the trend going forward. You kind of let Simmons be the point guard or, or the lead man kind of coming, kind of, you know, running the ball up if you want to. Markel Fultz showed at UW that he knows how to play off the ball. He knows how to find spots on the court where he can get his shots up. And he doesn't have to be like the lead dominant ball player all the time. You can work with that in your rotations, anything like that. Both of these guys can play great, great pick and roll. Markel's a little bit better for what we've seen. So it's, it's not that big of a learning curve, you know, like set up your half court offense, but it's not like super fast Brett Brown transition game. And just let one guy run the offense and then switch back and forth and switch back and forth as you're like loading guys on and off the court. This can work really, really well. Let's just kind of like get out of our own ways and let Markel just shoot the basketball whenever he damn well pleases. Like this doesn't have to be that hard in theory. Ben, you agree? Yeah, yeah, I do. Um, I think what's so interesting about these two guys is they both came from two of the preeminent high school programs in America, um, DeMatha and, and uh, what, Monverde. So you're talking about people who – and especially, you know, in Simmons and Fultz, not and Embiid did as well, obviously. But um, you know, who came from playing with other college Division One, and then at the time, probably you know, the best guys in their general areas, both being private schools. Um, and so, I think kind of that curve to then go play at Washington and LSU. And this is not to get into a conversation about the talent at LSU with Ben Simmons again. We've done that like thirty times on this podcast. I'm, we're not doing that. Yeah, we're just not going to do that. Um, but with that in mind, like. There is going to be something to be said for playing with someone who you trust again to have that type of camaraderie of like, hey, we're the two baddest guys in the court together. It doesn't matter if I bring it up. People who are enamored with the way that Lonzo Ball threw the ball up um, in, in Summer League will like the way that Ben Simmons plays the game. And we had this like little snapshot from the Utah Summer League last year, and you saw more you know phenomenal passes that kind of defied the English on a basketball uh, from Simmons in like two and a half games uh, than you saw almost the entire season from anybody else who played for the Sixers last year. And that's not to poo-poo you know, what TJ did uh, or any of the guys who you know, put good minutes in at point guard last year where we didn't think there would be any. Um, and so I think kind of what you're going to see is when, when two guys get to learn into a game together, trust in each other is much more that mentality you get when you play with a really good high school program or a really good college cohort. Uh, and so I kind of think that that's the way they're going to lean into this. And they're not going to be like, I need that or you need that. It's going to be, we can share this. And I look at it like they're two very unselfish guys, but one's a better shooter and one's going to be a better rebounder. It never hurts to have kind of all your bases covered uh, when you're talking about two 20-year-olds or 21-year-olds here, 19 and 20, um, who are going to grow into this league together. And then again, with the umbrella of n- neither of them has to be the best player on this team. And I think that's, that's an amazing. extra special thing. Um, I don't <laughs> know, Kyle, is that, is that too far-fetched for me to say they should grow into this together and that they complement each other? 
Well, I think part of the justification internally for that trade is specifically because they thought that Markel would unlock things for Ben and Joel in ways that nobody else in that draft class could. I know that a lot of people have talked about how Fultz was the quote-unquote best prospect in the draft and all that, but there is a real belief within that organization that Markel has the potential not just to be their lead guard like let's say he nominally plays point guard for them like he's guarding ones i think that they believe he can play two full-time long term if that's the best setup for the team moving forward and i don't know that there was another guy in the draft that would offer them that same sort of flexibility and his skill set alongside ben is great because markel can play as uh, just a true scorer. Like Ben's the guy who handles the ball, dishes it off to Markel, and he just isolates, gets his buckets. But at the same time, Markel can run pick and rolls with him, and Ben can take advantage of his size and athleticism as a role man and crash to the basket and use that part of his game. Crash the offensive glass because he was an elite rebounder in his only year in college. So I think a lot of this, uh, the, the whole reason that they – they gave up some just to move up those two spots. I know it's it's only two spots, but in at the top of a draft, that's a it's a huge deal. Oh yeah, they believe that he is like the perfect guy to complement both Joel and Ben. So no, I don't think it's it's any bit of a stretch to believe that those two can just sort of figure it out on the fly. I know it's obviously going to come with a lot of ups and downs because handing the ball to two rookie playmakers. I don't think I have to tell you guys there are going to be a lot of turnovers, a lot of mistakes. But at the end of the day, I think they're prepared to deal with that, to to shoot for the moon with the upside between those two guys. And then, of course, you have Embiid in the, in the thick of it still at the end of the day. Yeah, and I also like the idea of just give me basketball IQ on the court together. Like, give right. me as many guys who are comfortable having the ball in their hand, making the first pass, second pass decision, uh, um, being like, I don't know, the way I look at it is uh, if Simmons wants to play a Draymond role some games where he's the rebounder and principal distributor, great. If there's other games where he sees a big defensive uh, you know, mismatch where he needs to operate out of the post and distribute from there, even better. He has those types of versatile distribution game, um, which I think will only help to kind of make them a little bit more multifaceted when maybe there is a game where MB needs to take off, but all of a sudden it's, it's okay. You still have a big who's creative uh, and does demand the double team still. Um, obviously, some of that remains to be seen, or remains to be seen on uh, his jump shot, but again, you guys might know better than me, and I'm actually kind of interested in this. Um, you know, Kyle, you're in Philadelphia still, and you get around the, uh, the new practice facility, so like what yeah. What can I expect from Ben Simmons' shot? Like, tell me about the mechanics right now. I know it's a little bit of a one-off, Mike. It's not in our agenda, but I just need to know this as a fan of the team. Well, I, I need tell to me, know what Ben Simmons is because I really evolu- haven't seen much of him. Yeah, give me like, some evolutionary points you've seen from college Ben to, to Ben right now. Well, to be truthful, Ben, when the play, like at least when the media has been allowed into the practice facility to see them get workouts in and all that Ben is almost never there. And it seems like he, he times that purposely. Like Mm. he's there late at night. A lot of times, if you follow him on Instagram live and all kinds of other different things, he's there late at night, like midnight, one o'clock in the morning, sometimes ostensibly getting jump shots up, but you only really get to see what he allows you to see. So he's very, if you couldn't tell after he released the whole documentary on Showtime about his 
first college season, he's going to control his own message as oh, yeah. closely as he possibly can. <laughs> so, so like, I, I mean, I've seen flashes and it looks like he's, the shot is a little bit more compact. The hope would be that he can be even an average shooter because if you put his, his skill package in, alongside an average jump shot, I think the sky's the limit for him. He doesn't ever need to be an elite shooter, especially because Joel Embiid, if you guys have been following him workout-wise this summer, it looks like he's going to be the next Dirk Nowitzki, at least if at least if he's going to tell the story. Because <laughs> I've been in the gym with him a few times during the draft workout season, and he was going through shooting drills with Robert Covington, Timothy Luau Cabrero, and some other wings. And he is not just like keeping up stride for stride with them, but was talking a gang of shit while doing it too. And <laughs> that like, sounds like Joe and, Yeah. So, I mean, that's a guy who legitimately believes that he can be one of the best shooters on that team. And he'll be able to clear space for the team, regardless of if Simmons jump shot comes right away. So that's, that's a little bit of a comforting factor for me, despite not having seen much of Ben's jumper yet. Who's ben be- shooting above 5% from three this year. How much of what? Fifty five percent, thirty five, thirty five. Yeah, I mean, thir- yeah, that's reasonable. That what did he shoot right. last year? Who Simmons? Zero. No. Oh, <laughs> si- are you talking about Simmons or are you talking about Embiid? Damn right. I can talk about Embiid. Embiid shooting forty. Yeah, yeah that feels about right. I, I don't know about Simmons thirty five percent from three, but we will see. Uh, Tyler, who's going to be the best rookie, Fultz or Simmons? Who's going to be a better rookie? I mean, Fultz is like the actual rookie, and Simmons is a grown man. So the I mean, I'm rookie. not really. Yeah, like, I mean, I I don't, for me at least, I don't really care what happens at this point with Simmons. Like, if Simmons is just, like, as bad as we think he will be as, like, a number one pick from two years ago who can't shoot a basketball, literally fine. At this point, to me, the better prospects that we actually have evidence to see is Markel Fultz and Joel Embiid, and Dario Saric makes me happy. So, like, Ben Simmons is, like, the icing on the great cake right now. Because Ben Simmons can be a guy who comes in and does like 11 and 6 and 6. And Markel might be better than that. And it's like, okay. But again, we've never been this good as a basketball team in like shit a long ass time. So I really <laughs> don't even care. If, I, like, if, like, as long as Ben Simmons isn't like Jalil Okafor sad in the second year of his career, then like, okay. We can kind of figure everything else out. But like my concern mostly is the star of the team who is Joel Embiid. I care more about him and his general safety and health than I do about Ben Simmons. It is true that I care about his safety and health more than I care about my own at this point. I think one hundred percent. Well, okay, we're we're going to move this up, this question up. I wanted to ask this later, but I'm going to ask this now because we're talking about it. Would you rather have five healthy seasons of Embiid, or you wouldn't have to pay taxes for five years? Like my own taking the healthy Embiid. I'm not. That's not even a question to me. You rather. (laughs) <laughs> you rather not again. You rather pay taxes if it meant Embiid was healthy than not pay taxes but sacrifice Embiid's health. Oh yeah, yeah I'm yeah, making yeah. my contribution to society and I get a healthy Joel Embiid. Let's do it. You Sign like, me up. You like you mean like my money, like out of my pocket? Yeah. No, I'm keeping all my money possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I'm what like, I'm saying. <laughs> If you try to tell me I can make every penny of my salary, no, I would like all of that right now. You go okay. and be hurt for the end of time. I'll make my money. <laughs> okay. See, you see how this is a tough question. How much of my taxes go to medical research for ankle joints? <laughs> <laughs> now I'll go with my health insurance for Joel. Like, okay. A- 
Well, okay, that's like, so what is the least you give up or the most you give up to like ensure Joel Embiid's health? He can have my health insurance as, as a backup. That's okay. pretty good. We do have a good plan here, so. Yeah. I mean, a, then I'll just use like my, you know, general money that I now have more of to buy health insurance. So <laughs> Obamacare is like still a real thing. I guess I'll just go do that. Well, wait a minute, though. Your, his health, your health insurance for him does not guarantee his health. That's fine. Okay. okay. At least he has a backup plan. You know, like if he wants nice. to go like out to sell cigars and pass junk. <laughs> there you go. I mean, we have we have great copays here at Vox, uh, Joel. <laughs> you can get take that. Um, okay. So, I mean, the Simmons thing is kind of interesting to me that you say he's sort of icing on the cake because I feel like, obviously, if MB plays, he's dominant and awesome. And we know this already. It's just a question of whether he plays. Fultz, I feel like his game just slots in pretty easily to the NBA. You know, it. I'm not sure that he is going to like be like this super amazing game changing talent. But he's going to be good. Like he's got all the tools you need to be a really good point guard in this league. Like for 15 years, no question. Yeah, point so, or or you know a versatile too or, as well. Or whatever he feels like it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. okay, so a guard, a really good guard. Like he's yeah. going to be really good. Like he's a pretty sure thing. Simmons, I think, is the one where it's like you know you have to kind of play the game his way because he needs the ball in his hands. Because if he's not down to the ball he's not a great shooter and so you have to i feel like he's the trickier piece to work in so if if i'm tracking like how good the Sixers are going to be this year and what it means for the future i'm really curious to see simmons's development because i know it's not going to happen right away but i'd be really curious to see how he plays you're you're shaking your head ben. Well, no no i mean I, it's not that i'm i don't disagree with anything I, what i'm thinking at, you know as the gears are turning here and i, I want to get um, tyler and kyle's thoughts on this too and yours as well mike which is like the fact that he didn't play last season, has that enhanced or, or, or taken away from the intrigue about his game? Because to me, oh, enhanced, it's enhanced one thousand percent. I'm saying like the league that happened last year. We saw Giannis become a point guard, right? Um, yeah, we watched ball play college hoops and then be drafted and play his summer league game. You know, last month and everyone be mystified with how he throws the ball up and, and how little he needs it in his hands to still be a very good point guard, right? Um, and on top of all that, we watched Draymond win another. NBA championship by being the quote unquote like distributing point guard on that team. He's the guy who takes the ball off the off the rim and, and then creates for his team and sets the tempo, right? So with all that in mind, like I'm watching the NBA evolve in a season where the guy who we already have who's an evolutionary freak of the game, the six foot eleven left-handed point guard, gets to just continue to watch, kind of see and, and what he needs to implement, what he needs to work on. So my intrigue, again, to, to agree with you, goes way up. For, for Simmons in the same way that, like, I, I'm super excited to watch Foltz play. He played up in the Pacific Northwest uh, for college hoops. Most people in Philadelphia probably didn't get to watch him play college. He didn't play in the tournament. Same thing, right? But with Simmons, it's like, holy shit, the game is literally evolving into his lap. Like, if, if he can make the right small adjustments with his shot, and again, this is all speculation because he hasn't played a pro game yet, right. but it feels like he's just, like, modeled for the way the league is moving, and that's what's most interesting and most intriguing to me. Other thing too is I I don't think that it really matters about Ben Simmons's jump shot. Like I, I mm-hmm. think that's just like a media lie at this point. You know what I mean like Ben who's stopping Ben Simmons from who's stopping Ben Simmons from going to the rim? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Why do I need to shoot a basketball? Like Ben Simmons can create basketball. Well, if he has the balls in his hands. Uh, but the, but the, but that's the point. Is the thing is like who is stopping a 6'11", 270 pound grown man? From literally getting 15 feet from the basket, he he can figure that out. Like we've already seen from his skill set in college that he can figure out a 12 to 15 foot jumper or a jump hook or a spin move or a counter move on the weak or strong side from the post. It doesn't really matter at that point. I don't need Ben Simmons to shoot jumpers. 
I just need Ben Simmons to be on the court. Yeah. Because especially in the way that the Sixers play basketball and Brett Brown always has to push the ball, Ben Simmons gets a rebound and goes end to end. Okay, next. Like Ben Simmons goes in the half court and maybe plays pick and pop. Next. Ben Simmons then goes on the weak side and then like posts up against some dude who's not even his size. Okay, next. I don't need Ben Simmons to shoot a basketball. Well, I don't need it. Mm, I don't care. I mean, you have, you have too many great shooters at this point now on the team that Ben Simmons shooting a basketball is literally like, well, that's dope too that I get that with my Happy Meal. I didn't know <laughs> I was getting this toy. This I, I do think it will, like, it will determine whether he's like one of the five best players in the NBA and one of like the 40 best players in the NBA. And I think that's a pretty big difference. You know? But I think that doesn't matter because if you have one of the 40 best NBA players with another one of the 40 best NBA players, you're doing pretty good for a team that couldn't figure out a way to win 30 games for the last three or four years. Well, I mean, that's true. Like, I, don't, <laughs> I, 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 don't need, I don't need Ben Simmons to be a top five player in the NBA for five more years. Shit, three more if we're being nice. You know, I need I need Ben Simmons to be on the court. I need him to propel the Sixers into the playoffs. And then we can take it from there when LeBron says he doesn't want to go play in L.A. Like we, we can figure that out later. Okay. Uh, I want to get to this question because, uh, Kyle, you asked your uh, tweet first, uh, Start Twitter followers. Yeah. Twitter followers. Uh, this However question, you want to frame it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I never know what word to say. Uh, what's like something that happened last year that you don't think got enough play? And I, you're, a lot of responses centered around Robert Covington uh, and how well he defended. Um, what are some other things that you think didn't get enough play last year that were important that will matter for the future? Yeah, so, I mean, Covington's defense was certainly high on my list, too, but it's hard to say that at the same time when I believe he finished top five in Defensive Player of the Year voting, which is pretty staggering for a guy who played on a fourth right? team. Yeah, and and again, like, there was a, a big cluster of guys there, so he only barely got fourth, but we don't need to talk about that. Um Honestly, I think the biggest thing last year that might have gone undersung, and I wrote about this at least once or twice, is that when Joel Embiid was healthy, he was basically a defensive player of the year caliber player as a rookie. And like, I don't say that lightly. Like, he was putting up rim protection numbers that were comparable to Rudy Gobert. He was anchoring a defense that when he was on the floor would have been either the best in the league or one of the best teams in the league with guys like Nick Stauskas on the court, who is a complete defensive sieve. So I don't know that that really got the proper respect nationally that it deserved because a lot of the focus was on Joel Embiid, the big social media personality, Joel Embiid dunking on some guy or just blocking shots, but just his natural instincts as a defender and the amount of plays that I saw him erase before they even started just by being in the right position, forcing that extra pass. And then somebody like Robert Covington jumped into the passing lanes, created a turnover and they're off to the races. That's one of those things that unless you're watching them night after night, you don't necessarily see that. And I don't know that that really was put in proper perspective that a rookie who had the bit, one of the biggest uh, usage rates in the NBA was also playing some of the best defensive basketball in the NBA. Yo, on that exact note, and I, I want to send this over to Tyler before I get my, my say in here, but there, remember that game, I think it was like early November, fourth, fifth game of the year against Cleveland. They lost by one, but they had them. They were up by maybe like three points with like a minute left to lose the game. Yeah, LeBron did not go to the rim in that game. 
because Joel Embiid. He stopped Embiid. driving. Exactly. He stopped driving exactly. like three quarters of the way through the game because uh, Embiid blocked him at least two or three times, including one that was an obvious goaltend that yeah. didn't get caught. Yep, yep. But, but it was still a great he, he hustle. He stopped driving against them. Yep. Sometimes when you have their greatness in the face, guys, you, you kind of you get you get you get nervous, you know. Sometimes when 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 greatness stares you right back in the face, you kind of just have to step back and say, "I, I don't got it today," yeah. you know. And LeBron, being the mediocre player he is, <laughs> he, he couldn't stand up to a future Hall of Famer like Joel Embiid when he saw one. It must be hard. You but know? it, it is, does speak to that, just like disruptor, like the idea that that. And I've used that term a lot on this podcast, but like you got to add something different to this game now in order to get to the top. Like what Golden State did was a knockout punch to the entire NBA, the way they've kind of changed how they play the game. But specifically, there's a niche here that needs to be filled, which is that big guy who changes the game. And he is that guy. And that that was just a microcosmic game of that. But but anyhow, Tyler, what what do you think uh, went under? We're already uh, talking about Golden State (laughs) and changing the game. We'll get there. Let's win 30 (laughs) games first. All right, Mike. It's It's because Philadelphia changing the game. What did you see last year that maybe the national media did not cover as much as an everyday Sixers fan? Uh, for me, and it's not even the everyday Sixers fan, I think I think Sixers fans are included in this as mm-hmm. well. And, and for me, it, it's two different instances. It's it's Denasia Lawrence and it's Seven Streeter. And those names might not sound familiar to you because they're not basketball players. But in a year where we've seen Colin Kaepernick really change the state of athletics when it comes to political protests and more, mm-hmm. these two women came to the Sixers and wanted to protest during the national anthem. Seven Streeter successfully did during a preseason game. Seven Streeter was denied by Sixers media, and they didn't even know if she wanted to protest. They, they, they stopped her from protesting just because of something she wore. Mm-hmm. At a time period where black and brown folks are getting gunned down more and more and it's being fetishized by our national media that are mostly white, it's kind of hard for me as a black consumer of the Philadelphia 76ers to turn a blind eye to see that these same white people that are instituting change and allowing these people to come on their court and entertain them who are also mostly black get stopped. You know, they want to change conversation. I don't think that's what we should do in the NBA, especially a league that has tried to demonstrably be different from the NFL. Yeah. And I don't think that was acceptable. And I don't think that enough enough attention was paid to the fact that the Sixers profiled a black woman and told her that she wasn't able to do her job because they were afraid of the ramification. Yeah. I just think that's mostly horseshit. And I think that more people shouldn't be afraid to speak about what happened in lieu of maybe getting a credential pulled or in lieu of like, you know, upsetting some people or in lieu of like keeping their cushy job at a newspaper. I think more and more of these people who have the platforms to say something about inherent racism or say something about change or say something about things being done wrong in their own backyard should. And I think that was a moment that we should have seen Philadelphia media give a shit about that. And they didn't. And national media kind of followed them as well. And that's really disheartening. Was there any resolution to that at all? I, I, maybe, I mean, I know she, resolution they let her come they, back. She right? sang, right? Yeah, like she yeah. sang. Yeah, yeah like, she came oh, back for a later a later game, which is like not really right. right. That doesn't change the fact that the original decision making process was really terrible. And I actually I spent a bunch of time talking to Tyler about that because he helped me write a piece on that when all that was going down. Because mm-hmm. he is certainly more of an expert on those sort of issues than I am. I just I I, I feel really strongly about the fact that the Sixers PR team has has generally been bad for most of the time that I've known most of the folks around the Sixers PR team. And it kind of really sucks the fact that in an age where there are newer people coming into the digital media space, especially a lot of those folks coming from SB Nation, that that same Sixers staff has made it hard for them to get access earlier on in the game. 
And now this same staff, a lot of the same people that have been there are turning away people who just want to do their job and express themselves in a different way in a sport and an atmosphere that really would embrace that. Definitely. And it's, it's just such a shame to see not only those people turn away, but that's a piece of your fan base who now has to say, I don't know what I'm looking at. I don't know how I cheer the same way. I don't know if I like this. And the resolution can't be, okay, we're inviting you back because we feel bad. It should be, no, guys, we fucked up and we're going to do better. And let's now make a creative and substantive change to try and do better. But the Sixers didn't do that. And that really sucks. And that should have got played up more. Well, let's see what they do this year for sure, because they're definitely... That definitely was not an appropriate way to handle no. that situation, and I believe it's a new it's a new communication staff this year. So there is, yeah, yeah. The, the old guy is out, and so they're bringing in all new people. So let's, no, let's we'll hope. have to wait and see how that turns out. But, right. but you're right in general, though, and I'll say in general, I think you're 100 percent right here, Tyler. And I think the ambassadorship role that the NBA takes in the greater sporting community, as just not just the sport, but the way that they let their athletes actually have a voice, that needs to, uh, you know. Uh, matriculate down the ladder as well to the organizations being able to let you know whoever it is singing whoever it is participating in the team events have their voice as well so i think that's that's succinct and a a strong point here so i'm glad you brought it up we'll take a quick break and then let's get back to some other basketball stuff but this was all an important conversation to add i'm glad we had it this is a limited upside podcast If you're like me, you know you have to shave, but you don't like doing it. The razors are expensive. The gel is expensive. You have to kind of switch them out a lot. You cut yourself while shaving. You've got to use all this product in order to have your skin moisturized. It's just not a very fun experience, and it never was a fun experience for me, and I really didn't want a beard. That changed when the Dollar Shave Club came to my inbox. Dollar Shave Club is the smarter choice. It's got this great Dr. Carver shave butter. It feels really smooth coming off your skin. It actually makes the act of shaving fun, and I love that. And it's also a great deal. You can get a great shave at a great price, conveniently delivered right to your door. They send it to you in the mail. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to get either a really expensive razor or a cheap disposable razor that gets a crappy shave. You don't have to do any of that. It comes right to your door. It's a great life hack and a great no-brainer choice. And it's got this amazing butter that feels so good on your skin. It almost doesn't look like shaving cream. It's nice and clear, and it just doesn't feel like shaving cream. And you don't have to get all those other products in order to have your face properly moisturized. It's a terrific deal. You get all the stuff you need in shaving in one with the Dollar Shave Club. And now, lucky you, for a limited time, new members get their first month of the Executive Razor with a tube of their Dr. Carver's Shave Butter for only $5 a month with free shipping. And after that, razors are just a few bucks a month and you can quit at any time if you don't like it. That's a $15 value for only five bucks. And in that first month's box, you get an awesome weighty handle, a full cassette of four cartridges, and a tube of the shave butter, all for just five bucks. And after the first month, these replacement cartridges ship automatically at the regular price. No hidden fees, no commitments, cancel anytime you like. But you can only get this offer exclusively through the Limited Upside podcast. Go to dollarshaveclub.com slash upside in order to take advantage. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash upside. Dollar Shave Club, the smarter, more convenient, and more comfortable way to get a close shave. All 
right, we're back on the Limited Upside Sixers preview. We've been really excited for most of this podcast, so i got to bring you guys down a little bit. <laughs> What's the one oh, thing man. that you guys think fan, the, that you guys and maybe other Sixers fans are maybe most nervous about sort of this whole rebuild, other than, you know, man, wish Embiid stayed healthy? You know, because I think that's a pretty obvious answer. Is there, what else are folks a little worried about? I, look, I'll start it off, guys, because I think I've heard his name like maybe twice this offseason. But look, I want some resolution with Jalil Okafor. This guy is still on the Sixers roster. He may or may not be healthy. He does not have a spot in the rotation as it currently presides with uh, with uh, Holmes and, and obviously with Amir Johnson now on the team. So it would lead me to believe that he's not going to be playing for them this year. But that doesn't mean he could just be, you know, uh, on the proverbial, what is it, the 10th. I'm sorry, the back of the bench, but not actually suited up. So he, sometimes he's at the games and sometimes he's it's a very rehab- long title. He's rehabbing. But like that's the whole <laughs> thing here. Like Jalil Okafor, and this goes to the communications and PR for the team and why it's been pretty terrible. But like we don't know anything about his current situation other than we couldn't find a trade partner. And he's not really important to this team moving forward. So what is he? He was the third pick three years ago that still has to either have some value to the rest of the league, or we got to, you know, shit or get off the can here. And, and that's the issue that I see uh, as something that frustrates me because I don't want to talk about the health of the other guys or anything like that. I just want to talk about the organizational behavior of how you treat a guy for the rest of his career. And ultimately, what is it that he's giving us if he's still on the roster? And it appears that there's kind of no resolution in sight. For uh, for Mr. Okafor, and, and that could be the last time we talk about him on this podcast, uh, if if you guys want. Probably, <laughs> honestly, I I think they they have and are continuing to make attempts to move on for from him, and that's both for their benefit and for his, because yeah. they don't want to have a guy there that look he he for one reason or another believes he deserves a bigger opportunity than he's getting, regardless of the struggles he's had in the NBA so far, it's it's easy to forget he was the number three overall pick who won a national title in his only college season. So he came in, was the man right away, got to start almost every game his rookie year, and he feels like he deserves at least a fair shot at that sort of opportunity somewhere. Now, he's handled it like a professional, but at a certain point, he's not going to handle it like a professional anymore. He's going to be frustrated just like, Nerlens Noel was that he wasn't getting the playing time he thinks he deserves. And I will tell you, Rashawn Holmes is going to be the primary backup big man on this team. So Jaleel Okafor not only doesn't have any illusions that he's going to be the starter, he shouldn't have any illusions that he's the primary backup either. So I think they're going to make every effort to get him out of here before the season starts. And I will say this, and this might sound a little crazy, but I don't think it's outside the realm of possibility. I don't think it's impossible that they would cut him before the year. I don't <laughs> think it's very likely because I just think at the end of the day, they would hold on to him before that. But based on what I know about the trade market for him, I don't, I can't see that. Number one, I can't see them picking up his player option for next season. And if they don't pick up his player option, nobody's going to trade for his, his trade value goes from very little to zero because if teams know that you don't want him after this year and he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in the event that you decline to pick up his option, that you're left with very little to do other than to let him ride out the year on the bench or just cut him and let him find, find a situation that suits him better. (laughs) So I would keep an eye on that in the preseason. Cut him after two years. It's uh, amazing, but I can understand. Again, I'm saying it's unlikely. I I think ultimately the the fact you even brought it up though, but, 
it's amazing. But I, I don't think it's it's totally out of the question. Yeah. Let's put it that way. I mean, this this time last year when we did the Sixers preview podcast, I made a statement that took a little ridicule from uh, I may have been. I don't know who who was it was it was it Kyle and you Mike it was, it was two was people Jake right? Jake was on it Jake gave me no, shit it was Tyler and Jake Tyler right? and Jake okay so so Jake gave me shit I said you know I'm not sure that there's such a huge difference between Nerlens Noel and Rashawn Holmes and at the time it was a little bit more of a, a divide but then we got to kind of watch Rashawn play a lot last year and then it became a little more apparent what his pluses are and he's different than Nerlens but they're not they're not so they're not so different though for what they give this team so I'm happy you. You labeled him as our primary backup big. Yeah, he's he's not bad. Yeah. And uh, Jonah Bolton, their second round pick this year, I liked yeah, him in summer league. Um, so, so Tyler, what he's are you, a very interesting player. Yeah, well, Tyler, what are you? Uh, yeah, what Tyler, are you, are you nervous of? about anything? <laughs> <That's good laughs> uh, so for me, the, the thing for me is it, I'm nervous about the transparency about around the team. Not only when it comes to the Jaleel Okafor situation, but to every situation. I'm not a big fan of the Colangelos. Uh, I, I don't really know how to assess how good of a job they've done so far. I'm not a big fan of the comm staff either, as I, I've obviously just made. <laughs> so for me, it's a combination of transparency around the organization, transparency around injuries. Because yeah, in the last say. decade, we've yeah. had so many damn knee injuries, dog. So we can't keep we can't keep like kind of you know pushing this under the rug as if this is not a thing, or even that it's not a thing that happens here. You know, Andrew Bynum, Kwame Brown, Okafor, Nerlens Noel, I don't know how many more I need to name for you, but that's four in the last seven years. That's a problem if you're a big man in this league or a problem if you're a developing big man in this league that's putting on pounds coming out of training camp. The Sixers have obviously shown they either don't know how to manage that, they don't know how to take care of their 21-year-olds, or they're really not good at hiding a secret. And two out of three of those things are real bad anyway, so it doesn't fucking matter. The point, though, is that it's hard to be a fan of this team when they lack the care for the fan base to be transparent. I don't care about the writers, to be very honest, as like mostly a fan. I care about the fans. I care about you should not come to a press conference and not have news. Don't call the press conference. There's yeah. all that weirdness with Simmons's injury last year uh, that was really strange that he was going to play and then he wasn't. You know, obviously, and like, obviously, if you just hold out Simmons, fine. Don't let him play, but just right. say that. <laughs> right. Yeah, it was weird how they handled that. And then there was also Embiid playing on the national TV game and then, you know, having the mysterious knee injury oh, like a couple days later. Yeah, that one. That one was the big just what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Like, I just I, I can't understand that one at all. I was at that Rockets game, too. He played so well considering the severity of the injury yeah. he played with. It was whatever. bizarre. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but it's, it's a it's a legit thing to worry about when you have such a great young talent and you have to get them all through in one piece, and you haven't proven that yet. I, there's uh, also the dichotomy of having. I'm glad you brought up the Colangelo's, Tyler, because like these are old school, for what it's worth, like old school. And I'm putting quote signs up with my hands, like basketball guys who've been around the game in front offices, and you're dealing with like you juxtapose that to this <laughs> new team of really hybrid young kids that are like 19, 20 years old as sports science is evolving, and you kind of have this like clash of worlds almost happening. I don't want to use a Game of Thrones reference, but like the Dothraki coming at you, and all of a sudden you're standing there with your little archery bow. Mike's shaking his head like, the fuck I, is I he talking about? I don't watch Game of Thrones. Okay. I no, feel like I'm the only one point, that doesn't. 99.9% <laughs> yeah, of sure people that, listening will get that. I'm but, sure that makes sense to most people. I'm just going to sit yeah, here and nod. It, it surely makes sense to me, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea here, though, is that like, you know, the Colangelos have to deal with a six foot eleven Australian point guard and a seven Seven foot two Cameroonian center who 
Lucas shoot threes. And like they're kind of like a wherewithal and what they know and, and the principal things that have gotten them to where they are in this game, aside from money and being part of the old boys club, is, is that now they got to deal with like something that is not what they perceive to be uh, standard basketball and how they make that kind of you know, round peg fit in the round hole. Square peg in the round hole. Square yeah. peg in the round yeah. hole. The round peg will fit oh, very fuck. well in the round hole. I never screw up my analogy. That's a you thing, Mike. Damn yeah. it. Uh, never I, put in the cart before the trees. Or, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right. I'm going I'm to make it put this damper this down even more uh, with the hypothetical here that we talked about. Um, would you Would you rather have Billy King be hired as Colangelo's number two? So basically, Colangelo is the president of basketball operations, and Billy King is like his GM. Or would you rather Doug Collins replace Brett Brown as head coach? You have to pick one. I mean, I mean, I personally love nothing more than to launch Doug Collins, and his mid range jumpers are just as good as layups philosophy straight to the sun. So give me Billy King. Actually, honestly, give me a toddler. I, I want nothing. To do. No, you got to pick one or the other. You got to pick one I or pick, the other. I, I pick. I pick whatever is not Doug Collins in a stupid ass Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> Doug Collins voted for Malcolm Brogdon. I loved him up until that point. But when oh, you voted for Oh no. Yeah, Come when he, on. Don't you tell me that. No, but when my whole thing with Doug Collins You is, know a lot is, of people voted for Malcolm Brogdon. Yeah, in fact, more people voted all for Malcolm wrong, Brogdon. But not people. And you are all liars. <laughs> Every <laughs> single one of you is a bold faced liar. And like my you don't thing, believe I would have picked Malcolm Brogdon. Oh God. Uh, you are also a bold faced liar, Mike. But the thing with these, with uh, Doug Collins, about to call him DC, there is like he's a Philadelphia Sixer. Like this guy's whole lineage in the NBA, from being drafted to where he's coached to how he sees himself in the greater like NBA world, is as a Sixer. And then he goes and votes, votes for Malcolm Brogdon, probably because we just oh m- mentioned God. Tyler, which is like he loves those you know twelve foot jump shots that you shoot forty percent from. Malcolm Brogdon was really good. Like you guys are, not, you guys are being mean. Yeah, but to he wasn't. Brogdon. He wasn't. He wasn't an all world defensive player named Joel Embiid, Mike. So what are we talking about, fam? <laughs> Joel Embiid only played thirty one. Games. If he played even only forty play, games, I would have voted 15. him. <laughs> Joel, Joel only needed to play fifteen games to be the rookie of the year in this horrible, horrible class. All right, you know who the At best worst rookie scenario, is. Dario Saric was the rookie of the year. Yeah. Now, see, I would have taken Brogdon over Saric, and you know, you know, but y'all spent too much time on Twitter. Yeah, that's right. That's me. I spent too much time on Twitter not watching basketball. That's right. Well, the, I, all the things you could criticize me yeah, for, that one. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's me. Yo, it's funny, though. I've seen Billy King booed at four different stadiums, of which he was the president of two of the teams, which is why it's kind of – people just right. know to boo him. But, Fine. Well, but with let, Doug Collins, the Sixers literally wouldn't be able to put a full roster out there because he doesn't play anyone 24 years or younger, so we'd be screwed. We'd only have, like, three guys we could play. I played Drew Holiday. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would, I would definitely take Billy King because he at least strikes me as like a decent guy. <laughs> I don't know, I don't, I don't know how confident he is, but Doug Collins would just actively irritate me if he was involved <laughs> with the team again. So I'll pass on that experience. Okay, let, let's Doug bring the mood up a little bit. Let's bring Doug the Collins mood. Up. Who sits in Chuck E. Cheese and smokes cigarettes? <laughs> <laughs> like I hate Doug Collins. <laughs> all right, all right. See, I knew I would get some good answers out of that one. Let's bring the mood up a little bit. Uh, you have to tell a Sixers fan to buy one jersey that's not Embiid. Are you picking? Tell them to buy Simmons or Fultz. Ooh, can we get a third party in there? I mean, who who's uh, who else would you put in there? Dario's a nice nice jersey. You rather to have. have Dario over those two? No, just I'm just saying. I think those three would be pretty pretty uh, fair to put on the table. I would. Uh, I'll take Matt Tiger. Yeah, right. Is is Doug Overton available? Um, I would. I will also take Doug. (laughs) Dougio, I I would go with. uh, Give me Simmons jersey because it's the Ben on Ben thing for me. I don't know. That's too simple. But but what what about you, Kyle? 
I guess I would go Simmons. I think like this is informed on nothing, just me knowing Ben's personality. I'd be more worried about Ben eventually leaving Philadelphia than I would Markel. Just because I, I sure would. I could see, I could see, I could see Ben being a, the type of guy who would go to L.A. or New York or do one of those things for the brand. Like I could mm-hmm. just see it Simmons doing that. So if that was one of the big decisive factors, I would lean towards Fultz. But I would take Simmons simply because I think if you if you took all the players from the last two drafts and just had all of them in one class, I think Simmons is the best player out of that group. And ultimately, if I'm going to spend my hard-earned money on a jersey for somebody, I want to feel confident that that guy is going to kick the shit out of everybody in front of him. So I'm more confident in Simmons. So I'll take Simmons. Okay. Simmons jersey. A couple more. I know Ben's got to run, but I want to ask this one because we ask it from everyone. And Ben has thought long and hard about this because I know we have because he's talked about it with (laughs) me like constantly. Please. Who's on your Sixers all-time banana boat? The three people you want to vacation with the most. Yeah. All right. Mine's all centers. Uh, and I think they're pretty easy ones, guys. Obviously, number one, Todd McCullough. Uh, <laughs> Todd's a really funny guy. He did not he's, mention he's, that. He's a pinball wizard. A too. pinball wizard. Exactly. Thank you. Wow, you, you threw a curveball at me because so, you did not mention Todd McCullough. Give me Todd McCullough. Uh, give me Wilt Chamberlain uh, because the storytelling. So we have storytelling, we have gaming capability, and then give me Joel Embiid so he can give uh, everyone the social uh, component of what's going on. He can live tweet our fun banana boat. That's my banana boat. All centers. Okay, the banana, the banana would probably capsize. Uh, That's fair. Tyler, your banana boat. Uh, I'll take forty-year-old Allen Iverson, twenty-five-year-old Allen Iverson, and sixteen-year-old Allen Iverson. <laughs> I will not take anybody else but those three Allen Iversons on my banana boat, constantly talking shit to all three of them. <laughs> like I won't even say anything. It's just like forty-year-old Allen Iverson talking shit to both the other Allen Iversons, yeah. and a, and eventually a fist fight will happen, and then. We'll like pop the henny out of the special trunk and we'll all just drink. It'll be great. Listen, it'll be a fun time. The best part is there'll be plenty of room because only one of them would show up at a time. Uh. <laughs> I was just say that. I was searching for the right joke for that, and I think Ben no, just no, nailed the landing. No, no, stop, because if you make this too mean, an inquirer columnist will say that, you know, they've ruined the heart and soul of Philadelphia sports. Does that make I, sense, right? Oh, my God. Take a shot, Kylie um, criticizing local media. Uh, no, be no, better, no. Damn. I'd stay away from that these days. I got to I gotta keep within that company. Um, so my banana boat, I would not take Iverson for the reason that Ben listed, that I would be worried he wouldn't show up. So I'll take Joel. I'll take Wilt Chamberlain. And then I'll get another loud mouth that we all know and only sometimes like, Mr. Charles Barkley. Yeah, I was waiting for someone to say Barkley. I feel like that would be quite a trip. If I needed someone to put in some half-hearted basketball analysis, I got Barkley. If I need somebody to throw someone through a plate glass window, I have Charles Barkley. (laughs) So I think we are are totally covered for a good See, that's hard for me because I'm I'm trying to actively fight Charles Barkley at this convention this week. So like, like I, I promise myself if I see Charles Barkley at all in these streets that his hands on sight. So I, I don't know if I can like actively put him on a boat with me and not throw him overboard. Well, that is the nice thing about having I, I, someone on a boat is that you can throw them overboard. True. You know, if you don't have him on the boat at all, you can't throw him overboard. 
I mean, the, Matt Geiger and Williams are backups for me, though, on the on the banana boat. Okay, fair enough. All right, I want to hear what other people think. And the last thing I want to ask you all, Ben's got to run. I got to go, guys. This has been fun. Mike's going to finish this off. But uh, Kyle and Tyler, always great talking to you guys. See you, buddy. All right, guys. All right, yo, so I want to set up an elaborate scenario that is probably really stupid, <laughs> but I'm just going to set it up anyway. There's uh, What a great tease. <laughs> <laughs> Someone... Uh, Someone who files like frivolous lawsuits, right? So one of those like kind of what do they call patent trolls has filed a lawsuit against the 76ers saying that they and their fans can never use the phrase the process again. It is trademarked to this person uh, based on some trademark law. And until they resolve this case, you're not allowed to use that phrase on social media. You're never allowed to say it, even if it's not the Sixers themselves saying it. No fans can use anything that involves the phrase the process because this patent troll says it's intellectually the intellectual property is owned by him. The Sixers come to you and say, You need a, we need a new we need a new slogan. A new cool slogan. What is that slogan? Well, Man. the thing is Unlike, so unlike the Atlanta Hawks, I feel like the Sixers want to genuinely tap into like the community in their city. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they'll go with like Dream Chasers. <laughs> so that way it's like a good feel of Meek Mill and like where the city is about the gritty, hard-nosed feeling that we always feel underdeserved in Philly. Like for some reason, like Philly could win a Super Bowl tomorrow and we would still tell you that we're like the smallest city in the, in the country and we deserve more respect. Like that's literally just what the city is. So we're always going to be chasing some far-fetched dream. And Meek Mill encapsulated that and all these bangers he got. So, Dream Chasers. That's a good one. A- Man, that, that was good. I like that. It's a lot better than the timeline. That, it's certainly better than the timeline. Sorry, sorry. Uh, so, are we saying <laughs> that... It's, it's, John McCain. <laughs> <laughs> are we saying that murdering the person who filed the lawsuit is not an option? It is here? not an option. Now, this is only temporary suit because you have... I, you would assume that this person has no case. So, eventually... <laughs> You know, it's like a two-year thing, right? Let's say it's a temporary thing because you'll assume that the Sixers will either will probably just settle with this patent troll pretty quickly. But like for right now, they need something. You know, it's season. T- the season's about to start. They got to engage their fan base. They need something. <sighs> Could we just write "You're all fucked" on a T-shirt and put the four pictures <laughs> of of Dario Embiid, <laughs> Fulton Simmons, and that's it? Would instantly would instantly sell. But instantly yeah, so. Oh, yeah, that would sell like hotcakes. And you'd start seeing uh, bootleg versions in the, uh, the and, Wells and Fargo Center parking lot with, within like the, the first game. It'd be awesome. <laughs> nah, nah. They, they'd have that bootleg in Kensington like before the real shirt came out. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's not bad I either. Just, I mean, that would be – it'd be very Philly. It'd be very tied to the mood around here right now because, as I mentioned earlier, everyone – and you can judge from – Tyler and Ben's contribution to the podcast. Everyone is pretty confident around here right I'll now. Say. So I think that would fit alongside that. I'll say. Now you guys get to put your money where your mouth is. Uh, realistic best case scenario for this year and realistic worst case scenario for this year. Well, best case, the Sixers, the best time the Sixers were ever good in basketball was, you know, in 66 when they won 68 games, as far as I can remember. So I won't say they'll win 68 games this year, but <laughs> best, case, best, best case scenario for the Sixers, honestly, is just to win 40, 40, 40, 40 or 41 games. Joel Embiid plays 50 games. Even if he's like not hurt, he just plays 50 games. Uh, you know, Markel scores 15 a game. Ben has eight assists per game. 
That's that's the best case scenario for the Sixers. A four seed or five seed, at worst a seven seed, playoff team easy, 40, 41 wins. Simple shit, right? Worst case scenario, obviously, is we trade Jalil. Ben Simmons decides he doesn't want to play basketball anymore. Joel Embiid tears his ACL. And Markel just has to come out and will us to 40 wins by himself by scoring 42 points a game. So (laughs) Get 40 wins either way. Honestly, Mike, it's it's a 40-win team regardless, so... Okay. I was about to say that the best-case scenario was surprisingly subdued and surprisingly realistic until you got to the worst-case scenario. (laughs) (laughs) I was about to say that, wow, that's actually like, oh, I could totally see that. Like, that's a reasonable goal. 50 games, yeah, 15 a game, 40 wins, the seventh seed, and then the worst-case scenario came out, (laughs) and that was that. Uh well, I, I'm pretty much in agreement with Tyler on the best case. I do think right around 500 is probably their realistic ceiling because even though they added J.J. Redick, they're adding two number one picks, they're still going to have two rookie playmakers and everything good and bad that comes with that. So I don't want to get too overzealous despite the fact that the Eastern Conference is basically LeBron and the trash. Celtics and, a, and a, a, a gigantic dumpster fire. Um, hey, 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 we are the Wizards are like near the top of that dumpster fire. Show some respect. Yeah, the hey, Washington Walls are going to be real dope. What's that? You're the Washington Walls are the dumpster at the very cool. least. Yeah, yeah, show some respect, okay? <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, worst case, <laughs> <laughs> worst case, maybe they win 34, 35. Like, I don't think that's the, the range worst is- case. I don't like I just don't think the range is that big for them. I think like unless they have the the entire core go down, I think they have the pieces that they can adjust on the fly. Like God forbid that Joel Embiid were to get injured and that obviously low, lowers the ceiling of the team not just this year but long term. But I just think they have enough talent on the team now that Last year, they won 28 games with Joel Embiid playing 31, 31. of 82 games. So if you're telling and no me... Fultz and no Simmons. Yeah, so no Fultz, no Simmons, and no, no Reddick. J.J. Redick. Yeah. yeah, and that's so... Uh, the back half of that year, they're playing Jaleel Okafor a decent amount of minutes. They're playing Rashawn Holmes as a starter on some nights. They're playing T.J. McConnell at point guard, and they still win 28 games. So... I don't like they they were giving the Warriors a run for their money with a, a bunch of their like backup players. Sure I know it's the regular season. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not of, sure like, the Warriors gave them uh, a whole sure. lot of attention. But point being, they're they're going to give their best effort every night against every team who, who they're up against for the most part, I'll say, because they're they're in a position where they are hungry for the playoffs. They're not one of these complacent veteran teams that's going to mail it in on some nights. Maybe they have a couple tough back to backs. But aside from that, that's a team that's going to be out for blood every night. So I think at the very least, there's going to be progress around like six, seven wins. And at best, you probably see them get to around 40, 41, 42. Okay. And honestly, if the Wizards can win 49 games with that trash heap of a roster, then the Sixers can find the Sixers can honestly find their way to 45 wins, 46 wins at best. Really? Like really, you know what I'm saying? Like their ceiling's not 41 wins to me. 
they're probably they probably can get into the mid 40s and just truly be what they are. Yeah. But again, if the Hawks can, if, if the Wizards can win 49, the Hawks can win 43. I'm real unconcerned about the East on a bad year, a worst year. Hey, yeah. The Wizards have a really good starting lineup, which the which has proven itself, which the Sixers do not have. Uh, let's not talk about you the mean other. John Wall at one through five. No, they have a really good starting lineup. No, they do. One of the best starting lineups in the league. It's just that everything after that is like, let's not talk about that. Um, So I almost wonder if like the worst case scenario, as weird as it sounds, is like they're actually pretty good, but like one or two of the three big three are injured a lot of the year. And so they don't ever get this time to learn how to play together. And so every year it's kind of like, oh, we're finally going to get to see all three together. And then they settle sort of. They learn. They get so good at playing without one of them at big stretches that they just never hit a ceiling, and they kind of top out. I almost wonder if that's like a weird sort of worst case scenario we might see. Uh, obviously, they can't control that if it's health, but that would be like they'd win game some games. They win more games, but it wouldn't really be like a big step for like the long term growth in terms of winning games. Does that make any sense? No, that makes sense, yeah. and I think. Uh, building off of that, another way it could go south is if they they decide to make a trade midseason that's more of the rental variety and they give up too much, whether that's picks, young players, one of their blue chippers, to make a real push for the playoffs. Not just the playoffs, but oh, we really feel like we can go after it this year. And that ends up backfiring, whether that's, again, if Joel is slow around and he gets hurt and that automatically takes them out of that mindset then whoever they get as a rental might leave in free agency. He doesn't like the look of things anymore. That, like Things like that, I think, could send things south in a hurry. But based on what I know about the team's plans, I think they're, they're still going to continue to follow a, a fairly measured path from here on out. Well, let's hope so. The, you follow a measured path until you get hit in the face, and then you see what happens. But you find your the second round of the playoffs. Go Sixers! Look, <laughs> I want to. I really want to be excited about the Sixers. Besides, d- despite like my grumbling, I just don't want to hear it from Sixers fans. I just want to be able to enjoy them without you guys telling me to enjoy them. Let me enjoy them organically. Let me yeah, let them you know wash over me. The- if you know anything about Philadelphia, Mike, you really just don't get one without the other. Yeah, this is so. a problem. That's the problem. And that's why I'm always going to be grumpy about the Sixers, even though I'm going to appreciate the hell out of if they're all healthy. Because, look, a Simmons, Fult, a Simmons Fultz pick and roll, is you can run that both ways. That will be awesome. As uh, one of our longtime listeners, Jacobo Pellegrini, talked about – or no, it wasn't Jacobo Pellegrini this time. It was uh, Chris Stapps Lonzingas, like, oh, man, MB like – Simmons or Fultz spotting up on a, a Simmons and Bead pick and roll like that'll be dope. It'll be a lot of fun to watch. I just don't want to. I just know you guys are going to rub it in way too much, and I'm already dreading it. I'll Get tell you this: it, buddy. Let, let Markel Fultz dunk on one of the people that you love in this league, and it's over for y'all. Like it's it's over for y'all. <laughs> I don't care what happens this year. We are the dopest team we've probably had this decade, and I am going to enjoy every single moment of that. And at the same time. It's great to see the ebb and flows of, of Philly sports right now because when Sam Hinkie first came to Philadelphia, so did Chip Kelly. And so Philly looked like a really smart-ass place to be as an athlete. Right now, we're both going through – like we're both Phoenix is rising out of the ashes right now. You know what I'm saying? Like Philly about to run this joint, and that's just what it is. So, I mean, listen, hug your loved ones because we coming. That, that always goes well for the city of Philadelphia. 
Always. <laughs> Dream team, baby. Always. That's why that's why I like that slogan, because it, it really is apt. I think Listen, it's good. man. <laughs> we're gonna be great. And you're just gonna have to sit there and hate about it, and that's gonna be fine with me too. Maybe I'll do Praetis pictures this year for Markel and uh MB pick and rolls. It's whatever. Sure, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Hey, if you wanna contribute content to the NBA section, like I'm all ears. Like I would love that. That would be terrific. Uh, See, I just caught you. You now you gotta do it. I'll do a video, Mike. I'll good, video. good. Okay. Well, look, this has been the Sixers preview podcast. Uh Kyle Newbeck, Tyler Tynes, thank you all for joining us. Ben as well. Uh, this is 4 of 30. Next up, we have another team that, uh, with a very passionate fan base, but probably going the other direction, the New York Knicks. So that should be interesting. Uh, let us know how you think we're doing with these. Uh, where can folks find you, uh, Tyler, Kyle, Kyle? What are you guys working on now that people should know about? So we're actually just right now looking for some more help at Liberty Ballers, gearing up for the season. The team is actually giving us more access this year so i'll be down at a lot more of training camp games etc etc so i'll be doing more of that and if anybody has any passing interest in the sixers and thinks they can write find me on twitter at my name it's not that hard to spell kyle newbeck and other than that just get ready for the domination this is a good time to bandwagon the sixers right now that's definitely true how and many bandwagon the process though that feels antithetical antithetical <laughs> do whatever you want when you put your mind to it honestly but listen you can find me in north philly you know what i'm saying or on twitter at tyler ricky times aka north philly poppy aka young iverson jr aka gerard avenue's finest you can find me wherever the streets be at so philly you know what i mean we here it's whatever that's where you can find Tyler, uh, all those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So thank you guys for coming on. Uh, this is great. Until next team preview, this is the Limited Upside Podcast. Sounded like such a square at the end, didn't I? (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. I'll take the hit.